Welcome to Season 3, Episode 29 of Lucas Baseball, brought to you by DrRoto.com, your home for everything fantasy sports. I'm Lou Landers at Landers Talks on Twitter, joined by my co-host Lucas Beery at LucasBeery33. Part 2 of our two-part episode, breaking down all the biggest trades from the MLB trade deadline. Lucas back here for Part 2 of the deadline breakdown. And we've really only scratched the surface of all these moves that were made. Yeah, I uh, I had this thought yesterday that we go all winter kind of talking about ADPs for fantasy and that the player pool breaking down to such uh, such a precise degree of the stat cast and all that. But I feel like this trade deadline will be undercovered. There are so many different angles you go into, and we're just going to scratch the surface, but excited to do so here, Lou. Absolutely, my man. We'll get right to it. Red Sox, Boston Red Sox, get Kyle Schwarber from the Nats, Hansel Robles from the Twins, and it's a great move for Boston if Schwarber comes back and he's healthy. Uh, He was one of the hottest hitters in all of Major League Baseball prior to him getting hurt. I will say this, the acquisition creates a bit of a logjam in the outfield for Boston and still didn't necessarily address their first base concerns. But this is kind of how I see it playing out. Let me know your thoughts. I think Renfro and Duran will pl- platoon. First left-handed pitching, you'll see Renfro in right for Dugo in center and Schwarber in left. First right-handed pitching, you would see for Dugo in right field, Duran in center field, and Schwarber in left with J.D. Martinez at D.H., and Kike Hernandez at second base every day. A first base platoon between Franchi Cordero and Bobby Dahlbeck. It was how I see that playing out. And quickly with Robles, not a great relief pitcher, but has had his moments as more depth to the back end of the Red Sox bullpen. Overall, though, I think the Red Sox kind of underachieved at this deadline because I think they needed more starting pitching. I agree. I think that they, they kind of missed the boat on starting pitching. I know I, I said with the... Uh, with the Yankees, like there really wasn't a ton of starting pitching to add, but the fact that they weren't able to even get down on, on a guy like Kyle Gibson, like, I mean, that would have helped. I just don't trust Garrett Richards. Uh, and plus, if any of those guys in front of him get hurt, like we were talking yesterday about how important Nathan Uvalde is, if Uvalde got hurt, like that would be a tragedy in Boston almost at this point, how frail their pitching staff is. You know, they got Sale coming back, but on Schwarber, uh, actually, there was kind of a somewhat of a breaking news uh, note on his player page. It looks like uh, Boston's Chimebloom, Heimbloom, excuse me, is actually going to consider him their first baseman. They're they're looking at him at first base, so that could tilt things up. I yeah, no, I mean, if he if if he can play first base, then it's obviously a perfect fit. I just don't know if he can yeah. and will, but. I mean, it's, I think it's something that is certainly worth looking at, at the very least. Only one career game at first base, which could, could uh, you know, might, this experiment may not work out. But yeah, I, I think they could have definitely added another pitcher to just at least give yourself some insurance uh, since the AL East is very tough. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs, but there's a lot of competition behind them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they did okay. They didn't spend much in prospect capital, but I would have liked to see them get a pitcher if I was a Boston fan. Yeah, I mean, you can't trust Martin Perez or Garrett Richards or Nick Pavetta. And I think you mentioned it. Evaldi has some serious health issues. Of course, Sale coming back. But 
Boston's gotten it done with a great offense. And I'm not saying that they can't continue doing that, but I see the Tampa Bay Rays passing them in the division. And then Boston having to settle for a wild card spot. And should they fall on any sort of hard times, like Rays have had a tough go at points, the Jays, Yankees all have. If Boston does hit that, I expect the Jays and Yankees to both be very good down the stretch. It would not shock me if Boston was fighting at the very last moment for a playoff spot because they did not address a glaring need. I agree. Well, I'm glad you agree, bro. We'll move over to the uh, San Francisco Giants. They get Chris Bryant and Tony Watson. Different trades, of course. Also waiting till the very last moment to make any sort of splash, but the splash was certainly major with Bryant, a former MVP, a player who could get hot and carry them over the final two months, can play third, can play all the outfield positions. Just a huge addition, especially very left-handed hitting a lineup for the Giants. So getting a righty in there, slotting right in the middle of their order right away should be helpful with Watson, a steady reliever, a lefty, um, and kind of a move that flew under the radar, but I think could have a nice impact for the Giants. Yeah, the Watson move was so Giants. I know we said that Josh Harrison, a very underrated player going to the A's, was a very A's move. Uh, I think Watson reuniting with the Giants was a very Giants move, and the Bryant one was not very Giants. That was kind of a big brand, big baller move, and I loved it. I think that's a perfect fit. The level of versatility he plays, he's he's been out there in center field. Some people may not know that, but he's played first, uh, third, corner outfields, and center. And I think that he's going to really uh, upgrade uh, one of their spots. I know they do a ton of mixing and matching, but if you can just t- go ahead and add Chris Bryant into that mix as one of the best hitters on the team, that was an A-plus move by Farhan, considering the fact they didn't give up any sort of elite prospect with Alexander Canario being a decent spec play, but uh, definitely a lot better options that they could have given up that they were able to hold on to. So do you think this is enough for the Giants to hold on to the division? I'm going to say no, just because the Dodgers just built themselves up a super team. <laughs> yeah, that is very you know? true. That is <laughs> very mean, true. It's tough, to, it's tough to see, uh, you know, I mean, just looking at it here, I mean, it's a three-game difference at the moment. It's not, you know, we have two months left. That that could easily be closed. I do think the Giants are absolutely for real. I think it's well-established within the baseball uh, and, you know, just everyone watching baseball. I mean, everyone knows the Giants are legit, but uh, I think they'll definitely make the playoffs, of course, obviously, but I'm going to have to take the Dodgers to win the division. I think so, too, especially if the moves we talked about in part one of this two-part yep. episode. I also am a little worried for the Giants. As good as Kevin Gosman's been, he has not been as sharp lately. He had some personal stuff. I remember we uh, we had kind of rode him in DFS last Saturday, and he had kind of come back after missing some time with some personal things. So I'm going to kind of write that one off, but you're right. He has been getting hit up from time to time, and let's be honest, it's not like this guy's been doing it year over year, so perhaps, uh, perhaps he does come down like you mentioned. Well, we'll have to find out. Good luck to the Giants for sure. How about the Atlanta Braves? Probably the most underrated trade deadline. I was saying it a bunch yesterday. Mm -hmm. They get Eddie Rosario from Cleveland, Jorge Soler 
from the Royals, Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates, and Adam Duvall from the Marlins. And they had to do something with their outfield after losing Acuna Jr., not having Marcelo Zuna. I know they got Jock Peterson a few weeks ago, and none of these names are flashy that they got, but it certainly gives them significant upgrades where they desperately needed them. Duvall, a good power bat. Soler at any moment could turn into an elite power bat for them. Rosario currently on the injured list, but should be back in plenty of time to help the Braves try to catch the Mets in the NL East. Division still absolutely wide open, and this Braves lineup just got much deeper. They have a lot more power. And then the Richard Rodriguez move, excellent reliever, could end up being the new Braves closer. Signed for another two years, I believe, after this. But at the very least, Mm -hmm. this guy is helping to break the gap to the ninth inning. I would agree. I think that they uh, they didn't give up a whole lot to make these moves. They got some solid, solid talent for sure. Not great, but definitely very serviceable, especially if used in the right platoon matchups. And some people are saying they got too many outfielders. Eddie Rosario is on the shelf right now with an injury, so he's going to be rehabbing that. He'll be back at some point uh, soon. The center field spot, call me crazy, but I think you might see Adam Duvall in center field from time to time. He's played that eight times this year already. That would allow them to flank him with Jock Peterson and Solaire. Hardly a defensive, uh, you know, hardly ideal defensively, but they're going to try to maybe outslug teams and uh, and get some solid pitching uh, down the stretch. I agree. It's an underrated offseason since they didn't give up much and they didn't uh, fold away their chances at the playoffs. They're going to still go for it. Yeah, so you said off-season, but I know you meant trade deadline, of course. Um, used to the <laughs> off-season where all these moves happen, though. I don't blame you at all. I mean, I couldn't spit out Nats and Dodgers in part one, if you remember. So um, I, just, I, like, I was so perplexed by that deal that I couldn't even spit it out. So it happens, for <laughs> sure. Um, and I feel like Duvall has sneaky speed and could be a decent center fielder for them. And I feel like Peterson is an underrated defender. Yeah, Peterson actually has two games in center field too, so he's at least stood out there. I'm well, sure. he also was a center fielder for years when he yeah, first came he up was. with the Dodgers. He was. He was a different. He was a lot more athletic then. But I get your point. He's not falling off too much, you know, exponentially. I guess he's he's definitely falling off some athletically, but he he at least had that ability years ago, about six, five, six years ago. Well, let me ask you this: the biggest question, Rosario comes back. Who's the worst defender, Soler or Rosario? Yeah, Soler, I would I would think. But I'll be honest, I haven't watched either of them in the outfield a ton this year. Yeah, it was kind of a uh, rhetorical question in the yeah. sense that like there wasn't <laughs> going to be an answer because they're both so bad. But they both have interesting bats for sure. In, in, in the regular season, I think this is okay to try to get, to get some wins. Now in the playoffs, like we were talking about Eloy Jimenez in the outfield in the playoffs, that's a little bit more petrifying since – there's just less runs scored and it's just bigger moments. But in the regular season, I mean, hey, if these guys can crank, you know, three to five homers a game, I mean, they can survive defensively to, to maybe make some noise, possibly. Now we'll see. We will definitely see. Keeping things in the NL East, which is a great race with the Braves, Mets, and Phillies. More on the Phillies in just a bit, but Mets get Javier Baez and Trevor Williams from the Chicago Cubs. And the Mets like a number of teams, waited till the very end to finally make a big splash. We're wondering, 
Are they not going to do anything? Are they just going to sit on their hands? But they pick up Javier Baez, a heck of a player, both defensively and offensively. Going to give the Mets a much-needed boost offensively for sure. Move made even bigger when you consider the Mets are currently without star, or at least former star shortstop, Francisco Lindor. He had been struggling this year, but um, still a big name, of course. He'll be out for another two to three weeks. So Baez going to take over at shortstop for him. When Lindor returns, Mets will have a very good problem on deciding who's going to play short and who's going to play second or third. And with Williams, a nice depth piece for the rotation. Carrasco just came back, but Grom's still out for a while. And we don't know when Syndergaard's returning. So um, a nice depth move there with Williams. Yeah, definitely can't argue adding a little bit more depth to this uh, rotation that has its share of injury concerns, like most rotations, but this one definitely so even more. The player they gave up for Baez was one that as a Cubs fan, I'm very, very happy to see come to my Cubs was Pete Crow Armstrong. Questions are surrounding whether or not his bat will play up to an even even an above average or an average level, but the glove is certainly locked in, so that was great and an aggressive move by the Mets. I think possibly what you'll see is you'll see Jonathan VR phased out a little bit. Uh, Baez, of course, as, as he was coming up with the Cubs was able to move around different positions. Watching him was, it was a pleasure as a Cubs fan. And uh, it's a power move by the Mets to go in and get Baez. And, and I think he's a great fit with the clubhouse, great fit for the city, just a big time player in big moments. And I, I love to see him uh, possibly be into a pennant race for the playoffs. Definitely, man. Good stuff there. How about the Phillies, who are also part of this three-team race in the NL East? They get Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and Freddie Galvis. Phils definitely were desperate and had to do something. I admire them for their effort for sure, but I just don't see this deal being enough for them. Gibson mm-hmm. is starting to pitch to expectations, which is typically a good thing. In this case, it's not. He hasn't been good lately. Uh, Kennedy having a nice season, but I think the Phillies needed more than one bullpen arm. And they also had to give up Spencer Howard to Texas to get it done. Um, I think that will be a mistake over the next four to six years. And then with Freddie Galvis, really just infield depth. I'm not sure it's very impactful. With these moves, I kind of still see the Phillies finishing third place behind both the Braves and the Mets, who both had clearly better deadlines than they did. I had the same reaction as you. I was I was uh, pretty shocked to see a guy that we were very excited about and Spencer Howard just moving for you know a couple of guys that are solid but uninspiring with Kennedy with Kennedy and uh and Gibson. The one benefit I will give them is that Gibson is under contract for next year and they always need more rotation members. Their their staff is about three guys deep and then a bunch of question marks. So the fact they're able to get Gibson uh, on the team for next year, I'm going to give them a little bit of credit there, but it was a, it was a very aggressive move moving off of Spencer Howard, perhaps like uh, like the Oakland A's, they're a little bit low on him. I know that uh, the A's maybe were low on Lazardo, perhaps the Phillies are low on Howard. And uh, one random guy, Hans Kraus, was also back to the Phillies, which helps soothe the blow of losing Howard a little bit. He may end up being bullpen arm from what I've heard, but it is at least a decent throw in to add to a farm system that's lacking in Philadelphia. It certainly is. And I will say one thing, Dave Dombrowski sometimes gets some flack, but he has done a very good job of building winners 
in number mm-hmm. of places and making deals just like this that typically do work out. So perhaps Gibson gets back to how he was pitching earlier in the season. Perhaps mm-hmm. Kennedy is the stabilizer in the bullpen. And God forbid they suffer another injury to a guy like Didi or Segura goes down or something happens to Baum. At least they have a serviceable player in Freddie Galvis. And they I mean, do have, yeah. Lucas, they do have Nola and Wheeler, which is one of the best one-two punches in baseball. And Eflin is certainly nothing to sneeze at as well when he's pitching right. I mean, this is an offense that's pretty loaded. I mean, Real Muto, Harper, McCutcheon stinging the ball. Didi can get onto a run as well as Hoskins and Gene Segura. This is a team where you're like, okay, we got we to gotta do some winning here. The problem is, is they just don't have much to call up from the farm. So they went externally, brought in a, a pitcher who can stabilize and hopefully a back-end arm that'll lengthen up the team. So, I mean, it's now or never. And they decided, hey, Spencer Howard isn't isn't uh, precious enough to, to hold us back. So let's go for it and see what happens. Yeah. yeah, well, they've been lucky that the Mets haven't pulled away in the division. And I yep. think that's a lot to do with the Mets having injury issues offensively early on. And then, of course, in the rotation and losing DeGrom. But to me, DeGrom being out till what looks like September, I believe, mm. correct me if I'm wrong, really correct. opened the door for the Braves and the Phillies to make moves. I completely agree. It's a wide open division. Yeah. Um, and now Central. Uh, most of the teams were quiet. Uh, the Brewers relatively quiet as well, but they did acquire Eduardo Escobar from the D-backs and relief pitcher uh, John Curtis, I believe from Miami. Correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong there too, but Brewers looking for help at either second or third base, and they definitely got it with Escobar, who prior to the trade was having a terrific season for the D-backs, hitting for power, driving in a ton of runs, hit a home run yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Either way, lengthening this Brewers lineup, giving them a switch hitter as well, playing multiple infield positions. This is a first-place team. I expect them to stay there, and adding Curtis was kind of just icing on the cake for this team. They already have a really good starting pitching, a solid bullpen, but he's a solid reliever, and he's joining, again, that very strong bullpen already. Uh, well done by the Brewers. I think they're going to be just fine. It's For them, it's getting to the playoffs and hoping that their pitchers aren't either injured or way past their innings limit and can still be effective. Yeah, this is a team that a lot of casual fans or maybe person that just kind of watches their own team, they, they look up and down the offensive roster and, they are not amazed and they shouldn't be because these are kind of especially without Christian Yelich. Yes. Especially without Yelich, because that's who you're probably expecting to be in there, but he's having a bit of a down year. Still think there's some bounce back there, but they've gotten some tremendous efforts from guys like Willie Adamas. Colton Wong has been solid. Omar Narvaez has had a bounce back and Avisel Garcia has pounded in about 65 RBIs. So it's a, it's a crew that's just getting it done. And on the pitching side, they've got some elite arms up at the top of the rotation, as well as a shutdown bullpen. So hell of a recipe there for this team, watching them in the NL central closely. And they could be frisky come October for sure. They certainly could be. I know Lorenzo Cain just was activated recently off the injured list, and he's been okay as well. Certainly not what he once was, especially when he initially signed there. But that's a guy that could have a good month or two. Absolutely. I mean, anything to get uh, JBJ out of there. Just kidding. Tyrone Taylor's been doing it too. He's been getting it done as well. Everybody has been able to come in outside of Yelich and – and Keston here, I swear. Yeah. It seems you know what? Their the offense case. is very much like the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Yeah, you look I was up thinking that. Kind of like Although, of course, the Rays have guys like Meadows and Lau and now Cruz, of course, a Rose Reina, guys who are semi all star potential, semi star potential, whereas the Brewers right now without Yelich don't. But it's a very kind of mix and match lineup where you look up and down, you're like, how is this team scoring runs? But they keep doing it. Yes, they do, and it's uh, it's it's pretty cool to see just because they don't really have those big sexy names that you're kind of used to for for teams first in the division by a wide margin. Yeah, they're uh, ways away from the years where they had Braun and Fielder in the middle of their lineup. <laughs> Absolutely, those were some good teams, though. Definitely some for good sure. teams. Uh, before we wrap things up, we talked about the biggest winner on our first part. I think it's now time to talk about the biggest losers. I'm not talking about that weird reality TV show. I'm talking about biggest loser from the MLB trade deadline. And for me, Lucas, I'm not sure if you agree, not sure if you have other options, but it's the Rockies and the Cardinals. Rockies, losers for their lack of activity. The deadline passed. They still have John Gray. They still have Herman Marquez and the biggest fish of all, Trevor Story. Poorly done by the Rockies organization, which continues to just kind of embarrass themselves and make us wonder what on earth is going on there. Uh, With regards to the Cardinals, though, they had a lot they needed to do if they wanted to contend at all this season, and they just failed to do it. I mean, all they were able to do is add two lefty pitchers with Happ and Lester, who are both well past their prime. Neither one has been good this year. I'm not sure it's even close to enough for the Cardinals to even finish above 500. I'm going to have to completely uh, endorse your pick of the Rockies. Pretty obvious. They, uh, they should have at least gotten something for story now that he's shown that he came out publicly, said he doesn't want to resign there. I mean, who would, it's a disaster of a team. No offense, just the facts there. And uh, I don't know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll offer up John Gray a couple of years and a decent amount of annual money just to eat up some innings. He, he likes it there. And let's be honest, these teams need innings eaters. So it wouldn't be a disaster if they end up doing that. I mean, why not? But they could have at least bolstered up their prospects uh, by moving off of him since there was a lack of uh, pitchers available. And on the Cardinals, while I don't disagree that they didn't have a great deadline, I just don't know what they could have moved. Uh, obviously, you've got Arenado and Goldschmidt firmly locked in. You're not going to replace Yachty in, in the outfield. Perhaps they could have added a little bit more depth there, but I just don't really know what they could have done since they're a bit out of the division, and I just don't know what move could have happened, I guess. Maybe added a starter. You know what? You're not wrong at all. I mean, there's only they could only do so much based on what's available, and they weren't going to get Barrios. Yeah. They weren't going to get Scherzer, so I get it for sure. Um but I think still disappointing for their fans, potentially yeah. the ones that wanted um, to you know, buy or have a chance. I mean, there's a lot of people that are always saying, don't count the Cardinals, don't count the Cardinals. And typically I would agree, but this year I just don't see it, even with Jack Flaherty on his way back. Uh, the Brewers, to me, just look too strong. They would need to lose both or two of those three starters um, for an extended period of time for them to fall out of first place. I agree. Their offense has been a pretty sizable letdown. And like you said, the pitching staff had some sketchy marks to start the year. And then whenever you lose Jack Flaherty and you don't get anything out of Miles Michaelis, obviously Dakota Hudson was undergoing Tommy John and Carlos Martinez is a gas can at this point. No offense, but they just their pitching staff is in shambles. I like how you say no offense. I mean, 
I'm sure there could be some offense taken, but I mean, you can't please I mean, everybody, bro. These are these are awesome major leaguers. I mean, they they are the absolute cream of the crop. But compared to other teams, they just they aren't getting it done if you want to make the playoffs. I would agree with you. Do you have any other team that kind of stands out to you as maybe a loser from the deadline? I know I kind of mentioned the Red Sox at one point, but I don't necessarily consider them losers, although I do think they needed to do more in their rotation, and I don't see them, if they do make the playoffs, and they should, I see them struggling after Chris Sale. It's hard, honestly, to call out some losers outside of the Rockies because um, almost all the teams got into the mix. Now, you could look at the Baltimore Orioles and say, Hey, Trey Mancini's not going to be in your next great team. He's a corner infielder, first base, first base kind of type. That's not going to necessarily propel you deep into October, but you, you can't trade away. You're, you're probably not going to trade away the heart and soul of the team after he's gone through and dominated. Uh, cancer came back as a as a hell of a survivor. Uh, John Means, he's, he's had a down couple of weeks. You probably could possibly try to get more for him in the offseason as he reestablishes his value but it was a seller's market so you could have faulted him for not possibly trying to get a big payday on that I've seen a lot of people say that the Marlins should have traded away a starting pitcher uh, to the Padres and tried to feast on that system maybe move uh, a Sandy Alcantara but I don't know about that one I think the fact that they've got like at this point, eight to, to 10, maybe 12 awesome potential starters in their group. I think that's a good thing. I think that uh, you're going to need as much depth as possible. So just a few thoughts there, but I don't really see any anything where I say, hey, they should have moved to Whit Merrifield because, hey, Merrifield's a hell of a player and he's on an affordable deal and they want to be decent next year. So you can't move those guys if you want to be good in the near term future. I'm with you. I have two others. One I thought mm-hmm. of and then one you kind of sparked for me uh, with the Marlins. I'm surprised they held on to Jesus Aguilar. I feel like somebody mm-hmm. could have used okay. him. He's one of the better RBI producers in the league right now, despite being on a terrible team. Um, I feel like that's a guy that could have that's impacted true. somebody, either as a bench bat or as in a platoon. Or I mean, I, I guess you mentioned the Red Sox might be looking at Schwarber at first base. Why not go after a guy like Aguilar? I trust him much more than Dahlbeck for this year. Um, and then with the Tigers, I feel like not that the returns would have been massive, but they're not playing for this year, really. Why not yeah. shop Jonathan Scope and Robbie Grossman? Grossman could be nice depth as a switch hitting outfielder, and Scope's having a nice year. I agree. I think, uh, and I was going to list those but uh, for some reason didn't I, I was that, that was kind of next to my list was the Tigers I didn't even think of the Marlins flipping away uh, Aguar I think maybe just too many teams have just good players and the offers were probably minimal at Oakland best Oakland Athletics for a DH yeah hello that's true <laughs> that would have been a hell of a fit there uh, but with the Tigers I guess if I'm looking at it from the outside looking in just as uh, an observer They've had a good run. They've uh, they've been a very solid team the past couple months, and I don't know how, but they have been. And they probably just are like, let's keep this culture going. Let's just let these guys feel good, and let's let the young kids hopefully develop a little bit, although they don't have a lot of them at the moment. But Badoo and, and some solid pitchers. So, yeah, that's my guess there on the Tigers. They want to just keep the culture intact because the offers were low. Yeah, I guess. I mean, to me, I would have taken whatever I could get for Scope or Grossman at this point. But uh, to each his own. I mean, that's why I guess we're here and they're there, right? Exactly, exactly. 
Well, this has been the Lucas Baseball Podcast Part 2 of 2 MLB Trade Deadline Aftermath brought to you by DrRoto.com where you can find premium access to our staff in the members-only Discord. We have content for MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, NASCAR, eSports, DFS, and more featuring some of the most elite tools in the industry. So check out DrRoto.com. I'm Lou Landers with co-host Lucas Beery. Thanks for tuning in to Lucas Baseball. We'll catch you next time.